0: You're listening to the Audacious Church podcast. This message was recorded live at our Manchester campus. We know this is a great investment into your life. So tune in, listen up and stay focused. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. Okay, what are we going to see across this place? Okay, everybody, we uh, we threw it out there as an idea. There was an overwhelming yes in response from you all. And uh, so we wanna let you know that on July the 30th, get that in your diary, Sunday, July the 30th, we are gonna have an International Sunday. Now, The reason I'm praying is because you remember I said, you know, we should get everybody to come in their national dress. We should get everybody to bring some food. And I kind of just threw it out there as an idea and you were all like, yeah, 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 we we wanna do it. So July the 30th, watch out for emails, watch out for information. We're gonna be having an International Sunday. We want you to come in your traditional dress. (coughs) For me, that's gonna be I don't know, what am I gonna come as a Welshman, an Englishman or an Australian? I don't know. I might just come in my board shorts and my flip flops and uh, preach with no shirt on. What do you think of that? No, you don't want that. And um, and uh, and also we want you to bring food and things like that. And we wanna, we wanna kinda see how many nationalities we have in our church on that day. And we wanna celebrate the nations as well. So it's gonna be a fantastic day in church. Also, I wonder, is um, is Councillor Tanya Birch, is she in this service here right now? Tanya, are you here? She's not in this service. Okay, let me just tell everybody that this week, uh, Councillor Tanya became the Deputy Mayor of Salford and next year she becomes the Mayor of Salford. So that's great, isn't it? So, when you see When you see Tanya, make sure you give her a high five, give her a hug and say congratulations Tanya on that. That is awesome. I need some fallback, thanks. Also, um, I wanna give a shout out to Julie and all the team from Audacious Wellbeing who this week were in London and they were presenting to a whole uh, room of people in Westminster Chapel on uh, the Audacious Wellbeing course and such a brilliant course to help us with Mental well-being, and it was a brilliant day down in London. Julie, congratulations, and all your hard work, and all the team as well, for all that they've done in uh, in getting that ready. Amazing, amazing, and uh, so many churches and so many church movements wanting to sign up and get access to Audacious Wellbeing, and you guys get it here in our church. So if you want to know any more, make sure you jump on the website audaciouschurch.com forward slash well-being. Well-being. and uh, and all the information is there for you. I also wanna give congratulations to the guys who took a day off yesterday and still won the Premier League. I mean, that's not a bad day at the office, is it? You don't even go to play the game and you still win the Premier League. Thank you, Jesus, long may that continue. And uh, also keep me in your prayers. I had man flu yesterday and the day before. And if you know anything about man flu, you'll know it's the worst thing ever. And uh, so I got resurrected this morning and I'm gonna go home and go to sleep this afternoon. And that is good. Everyone good? Good. Well, I wanna talk to you for a moment about 12 feet. Thanks, band. 12 feet. 12 feet. This is 12 feet. 3.65 metres or thereabouts. 12 feet is about... It's about four, it's about four yards. Four yards. That's what it is. Four yards or so. 3.65 metres. I think we got slides for this, don't we guys? It's 144 inches. 12 yards is 144 inches or thereabouts. I don't know if you know this, but 12 yards is about the average height of an African elephant. There you go. That'll come in handy in a pub quiz some night. It's about... Uh, average size of an elephant. Uh, They also say that the average garage door in Britain is about 12 feet. And if you were to stack six golden retrievers on top of each other, that's about 12 feet. Good luck trying that one sometime, hey? Stacking 12, 12 golden retrievers on top of each other, 12 feet. By the way, they also say that the average width of a British road is about 12 feet. That's probably why we keep parking on footpaths, and we end up having to stop to let some people come the other direction. The average width of a British road is 12 feet. But I want you to know something, that 12 feet makes a big, big difference. 12 feet makes a big difference. Some years ago, Pastor Stuart and I were driving around the M25, and the truck in front of us jackknifed across the motorway and somehow we drove through the middle of what was to become this ensuing carnage behind as loads of cars started to crash into the trucks. I don't know, 30 or 40 cars and somehow we drove through the middle. I'm here to tell you that had we been 12 yards behind or 12 yards ahead, that 12 yards definitely made a big difference, 12 yards makes a big difference. Some years ago when I was living in Sheffield, I was, I went to the dentist and if you know anything about the dentists, you'll know that the dentists are really, really quiet. You know, nobody talks in the dentist at all. Nobody talks. Everybody's nervous. Nobody really wants to be in the dentists. And I found myself sitting in the dentist surgery, in the dentist waiting room, in Sheffield and just waiting for, you know, my turn to be called, you know, the walk of death as you walk into the dentist, you know, the dentist's door and things like that. And uh, as I was sitting there, I was reading a book and, and it was deadly quiet. Every chair was taken apart from one and the door opened, it squeaked open and a man came in with a cage around his leg with pins all into his leg, clearly in some discomfort. He walked with crutches across the waiting room to the other side, about 12 feet away from where I was sitting and he sat down, he grunted getting down and was in clear, clearly uh, discomfited. And while I was sitting there reading my book, I, I looked up at him, I thought, wow, that, that looks like it hurts. And uh, I thought, oh gosh, somebody should go talk to him. And then I felt that uncomfortable nudge of the Holy Spirit. You know that one? Come on, you ever had the uncomfortable nudge of the Holy Spirit? Usually the Holy Spirit nudges you to get out of your comfort zone. Usually what you'll find is the Holy Spirit nudges you just to walk about 12 feet, because 12 feet makes a big difference if you're prepared to walk 12 feet on the back of a Holy Spirit nudging. About two weeks earlier, I had actually been in Sydney, Australia, queuing to go up the the Sydney Centre Point Tower. And while I was lining up, this this, this couple came and stood near me over here and they had two twin girls. And I remember looking at the man, the man had a skinhead, he had tattoos all over him, his neck everywhere. He looked pretty scary, to be honest. And I remember looking at that guy, looking at the couple and the twins. And I felt the nudge of the Holy Spirit and eavesdropping in the conversation. I heard the girls say, Daddy, Daddy, can we go up the tower? And I heard Dad respond, no kids, we can't afford it. And I felt the uncomfortable nudge of the Holy Spirit saying, Glenn, go and pay for them to climb the tower. So I said to the Lord, you go and pay for them to climb the tower. I could swear it was almost like God was saying, I'm trying to, through you, walk 12 feet and pay for them to climb the tower. Sadly, on this day, I allowed my Englishness, I allowed my embarrassment, I allowed, I don't know what it was, uh, the self consciousness of this moment to get the best of me. And as we went up Centre Point Tower, I remember standing at the top with some friends who were just marvelling at the views of Sydney. And yet I was so disappointed that I just couldn't walk 12 feet to say to a family, hey, would it be okay if I pay for you as a treat to go up the tower? I remember saying to the Lord, Lord, I'll never do that again. I, I, if ever I hear you whisper to me, you, you, you nudge me to get out of my comfort zone and to walk 12 feet, I, I'll always do it. I, I'll always do it. And then a week later, I'm in the dentist's in Sheffield and it happens. And the Lord says, Glenn, walk 12 feet. Walk across the room and tell that guy, sit down and, and talk to that guy. And I said, oh God, really? I really don't wanna do that. I'm self-conscious. Everybody's gonna be listening. And, and just as I was plucking up the courage, should I stay? Should I go? If I stay, there will be trouble. If I go, there will be trouble. Should I stay or should I go? Da, 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 da. I didn't know what to do. And just as I was about to go, I'm about to go talk to him. The nurse comes in and calls this patient's name and he stands up and he walks out of the room. And I'm so disappointed. I've just done it again. I said, Lord, I'm sorry, <coughs> give me another chance. And the doors opened a few moments later and the same patient came back in and sat in the chair with his cage and pins around his leg. Oh, and I was sitting over here going, Oh God, give me one more sign that I meant to talk to him. I'm living in Sheffield, South Yorkshire and no word of a lie, he takes off his jumper And underneath, he is wearing a Manchester City football shirt. (laughs) And it's almost like God is saying, is that enough for you now? (laughs) I'm happy to tell you that on that particular day, I got up, I walked 12 feet. I said, bro, what happened to your leg? He said, I got run over by a bus. I may come back to the conversation a little bit later. What's the worst that could happen? I mean, what's, what's the absolute worst that could happen if we just plucked up the courage to, to walk the average width of a British road, which seems pretty narrow to me, but Google must be right, to actually go and talk to someone when we feel the Holy Spirit prompt us. My question is this, is in the story of the Good Samaritan that Pastor Mark started with last week and we'll read again right now, What prompted Him to walk the distance, the short distance to help Him when other people wouldn't? Luke chapter 10, verse 30 to 37, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes and beat him and then they went away leaving him half dead, a priest, a religious man, a pastor, a vicar, a clergyman, a God-fearing man happened to be going down the same road and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he travelled, he came to where the man was and when he saw him, He took pity on him. He went to him and he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three? do you think was a neighbour to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert of the law replied, the one who had mercy on him, Jesus told him, go and do likewise. What is it that made that one man, the Samaritan man, walk across the road, just make an effort? What was it that caused him to reach out to that person in distress? And it's verse 33. But a Samaritan, as he travelled, came where the man was and when he saw him, he took pity on him. The Message Translation says this, when he saw the man's condition, his heart went out to him. And I wanna talk to you today about two heart postures that will either help you walk 12 feet to bring change to a person's life or hinder you from it. I've called this message, Red Man, Green Man. Because for some people, their heart is stopping them from crossing the road to make a difference. But I believe that God is calling us all in this place to live with a green man mentality, that we would cross the road to make a difference in somebody's life in Jesus' Name. So the first heart posture is this in Red Man, Green Man, is that we can either live inspired, Green Man or intimidated, Red Man. We can choose to live our lives under the condemnation of intimidation or we can choose to live inspired lives. We don't have time this morning to read all of it from 1 Samuel 17 and 18. But the Bible actually says here, the men were coming home after David had killed the giant, and all the women came out and began to sing a song. They said, "David has killed tens of thousands, but Saul has only killed thousands." And in that moment, Saul could have used that as a way to inspire his men and bring courage to his men. But instead what King Saul did is he chose to be intimidated by the song and say, it is not fair that they are singing this way about David. I think friends in life, we have a choice. We have a choice to go through life being inspired or we have a choice to be intimidated. In the Bible, in 1 Samuel 17 and 18, King David, King Saul, he was intimidated by this young man called David. He was intimidated by the crowd. And guys, I can honestly tell you, church, that there have been many times, especially in my early years in ministry, when rather than living, leading and being inspired, I have been intimidated. There have been rooms that I've walked into in over the years where I felt intimidated either by the size, intimidated by the people who were sitting there, intimidated by the opportunity, intimidated by the moment. I remember the first time I was really intimidated. I was speaking at a youth event in the western suburbs of Sydney. And my friend had this great idea that he wanted to put on a youth event in order to see the Western suburb youth of Sydney hear the Gospel. The trouble is this, he invited all these teenagers to come, but didn't tell them they were gonna hear the Gospel. So this event started in a community centre at 10 o'clock at night. The DJ is playing the music. Everybody is drugged up, drunk up, sexed up. I mean, it was a nightmare. My friend forgot security. So when I arrived, he said, can you go on security? I said, sure. I remember at one point during the night, they said, fight, fight. I said, where? They said, the girls' restrooms. And I ran into the girls' restrooms and saw these Sydney-sided girls from the western suburbs of Sydney beating the living daylights out of them. And I opened the door and went, I can't help them, and walked away. I mean, I was so intimidated. It was crazy. Sophie's on the front desk taking tickets, getting tickets, and I don't know, four, five, six hundred people packed into this square room. And it was carnage. And they danced and they drank and they did everything from 10 until 1am. And at 1.05, the the, the guest band, the famous band from that part of Sydney was playing that night and everybody was in a frenzy. It was like a feeding frenzy at a zoo. And at 1am in the morning, my ex-friend Andrew, he was my friend until that night. My ex-friend Andrew cut the music dead and said, Hey everybody, here comes Glenn and he pushed me out on stage. And I'm looking at these five, six hundred teenagers, and I am intimidated. I cracked a few jokes for a minute and had people laughing. That was okay. But with four minutes to go, I mentioned the word Jesus and it was a riot as people were storming the stage and throwing things at me. And I remember I finishing, I got off, got off in one piece, but I'm physically shaking. And I stood down here, I've stood down here and Soph grabs my hand, she goes, you okay? And And I swear I said to her something like, I'm never gonna do that again. Intimidated by the circumstance and situation. And she said something to me very profound. She goes, honey, When you walk to preach, walk like you've got something to say. Live inspired. Live in a way that people want to hear what you've got to say. My brilliant mother-in-law put it another way with three rules for life. Number one, turn up. Number two, do your best. And number three, walk away. That is so profound. That those three rules changed my life. That in every situation, rather than being intimidated by the opportunity, intimidated by the scale, intimidated by the person I'm about to meet. No, you know what? I'm gonna choose to do what my mother-in-law said. I'm gonna turn up, because that's half the battle done. I'm gonna do my best and I'm gonna walk away. Hey, are you intimidated by a project? Maybe you're intimidated because you've gone into survival mode. Maybe what needs to happen today is you need to push the button and you need to get a green light and you need to step out of intimidation and walk into inspiration. What lies on the other side of 12 feet? Who knows? And maybe today you're you're feeling intimidated by something. Intimidated by your past. Intimidated by your parents. Intimidated by a salary, intimidated by an object, a a project, intimidated by by the the key performance indicators, uh, intimidated by the opportunity that God has put before you. I want you to know, friends, today is the day to walk in inspiration and shake off intimidation in Jesus' Name. I think that's what the Good Samaritan did, friends. I think he saw, you know what, I'm gonna be an inspired person. His heart went out to the man and he took pity on him and with inspiration, he brought change. The second thing is this regarding our heart posture is we can have a heart posture that's full of opportunity, green man, or hard work, red man. Again, we don't have time, but you can read it in your Bibles, Numbers chapter 13. In Numbers chapter 13, the Bible says, that Moses sent 12 spies to investigate the land that God had promised. And when they returned from the promised land, two of the spies says, we can certainly do this. And the other 10 says, gosh, this is hard work. The people are so big. It's a vast land. Oh, there's some nice things there for sure. But they went on and on and on about the difficulty that they saw. And I wanna suggest to you that in both cases, the two spies and the 10 spies were all right. Because it was gonna be hard work, but it was also an opportunity. Thomas Edison said this, most people miss opportunity because it comes dressed in overalls and looks like hard work. And I wanna suggest to you, friends that if all you see before you is hard work, then you will potentially miss opportunity. Why did the priest pass by the man who was on the other side of the road? Because it's hard work. Why did the businessman pass by on the other side? Because it's hard work. Why is it, friends, that in life all too often we're just so busy getting from A to B and, without, and we miss the opportunities that lie before us? an opportunity that is birthed in prayer tomorrow morning when you say, Lord, give me opportunities today. Give me an opportunity in the midst of my busyness. Give me an opportunity to see someone 12 feet away to walk the journey into opportunity to overcome a mindset that says, well, that's just hard work. You see, this whole series that we're in, friends, is really talking about discipleship. Jesus said, go and make disciples. It wasn't a suggestion. It was the great commandment. And it wasn't a commandment to pastors. It was a commandment to Christians. Go and make disciples. But here's one thing I've realised. I've realised that if we see other people as hard work, we will never walk the distance. If we see our work colleagues as hard work, if we see our neighbours as hard work, if we see the the clubs that we're a part of, the, the community groups that we're part of, that we go simply because of the interest that we have in that club, that sporting thing. But if we don't take the time to actually see the opportunity that God's put before us, then friends, we will never have the amazing stories to tell that I believe God wants us to have. Why does Christianity become so boring for so many people? I'll tell you why. It's because we stop listening to the nudge of the Holy Spirit that says, walk 12 feet, walk in inspiration, walk in opportunity. And I promise you church, if this week you pray every morning, God, give me an opportunity this week to tell someone about You. Give me an opportunity this week to put my arms around somebody in my community who's hurting and in pain. I promise you, you will have that horrible moment where the Holy Spirit whispers and says, hey, go and talk to them. Oh, the stories we will have if we'll just stand up in the dentist surgery. <sighs> What's the worst that could happen? 12 feet. If we see people as hard work, we'll never walk in opportunity. The third thing regarding red man, green man, green man, red man is this is the state of our heart? Is, is a heart that's full of integrity or a heart that's full of compromise? Does our heart, is it truly one that follows after the Lord, friends, or does our heart genuinely, is our life filled with compromise? I often wonder why, at times, Christians will post on social media about all sorts of things, but may not ever post anything about the goodness of God or the love of God or an experience in church. And, and sometimes, not you guys, you're perfect, but definitely in the 12 o'clock service, it's kind of that sense, I wonder if there's compromise in people's hearts because the moment I go public on my faith, then people are gonna be holding me accountable to that which I say I believe. The priest, my gosh, the priest. If anybody should have stopped with the Good Samaritan, it should have been the priest. But the priest's heart was one of compromise. I'm busy. I, I, I've, I've got I've, I've to get to church. I've got to get to the temple. I, I, I've, I've got I've go to go to the scheduled good deed that's in my diary and miss the opportunity that was there before Him. Is our heart full of compromise, friends, or do we have integrity? Luke chapter 22, you'll remember this story if you're a churchgoer, you read your Bible. Jesus said to Peter, He said, Peter, before the cockerel crows three times today, you will deny me. And Peter says, Lord, I will never deny you. And yet the reality is this, friends, is that when Peter found himself alone, when Peter found himself in a crowd of people who were not God-fearing, when people found himself without the worship team and the Sunday church service around him in the background, when he found himself alone and isolated with a crowd of people who turned on him, he ended up doing the very thing he said he would never, ever do. And gosh, sometimes we do too. But maybe today's the day that what we do is we start to push the button on compromise and instead of standing here in compromise, we allow the green man to shine and from this day, we walk in integrity. I know what God wants of me. I know what a God-fearing person would do in my situation because I believe that what the world is crying out for is Christian people who not only love God and say they love God, but actually walk with integrity. Walk aware that God is everywhere and God knows at all times. I know you know this, but but my wife and I, my wife has this motion that she does, this motion here. Whenever whenever Foz starts a conversation, it's usually Foz or Pastor Stewart starts a conversation, and the conversation starts to go in a direction it shouldn't go. My wife tends to go like this, and and this this what does this mean, guys? Murky. It means it's murky. It means that this water that we're paddling in right now, it's not clean. And you got to make sure, let's let's change the conversation. It's a little bit murky what she's saying. She's saying, hey guys, let's make sure we always walk in integrity. True to what we say about our God. I think what's going to happen this week, friends, is this. Is that God's going to bring across all of our paths, myself included, in the busyness of our nine to five, in the busyness of our life, I think this week, because I'm praying it and I'm prophesying, I think this week God's gonna bring across our paths a Samaritan. Someone over here who's hurting. Someone over here who needs to know about a God of love. And the question is this, friends, is will we stop what we're doing and walk with a green man mentality to the other side, to the Samaritan who's in pain? And my last thought is this, is a heart that is eternity-minded or focused on the temporal. Eternity, green man, temporal, red man, as the worship team come up and join me. Friends, I want you to think about your life right now in the light of Eternity. I think what happens is this, is that in the busyness of all we do, in the busyness of our savings, our working hard, in the, in the busyness of family, we can all too often take our eyes off eternity and get caught in the moment that we are living in, in the here and now. Jesus tells a story about a man, a man who owed another man an unpayable, vast amount of money. And so the man who was owed the money, he went and he went to arrest the man who owed him this great debt. And the man fell on his knees. He says, Master, have, have mercy on me, forgive me. And the Bible says, Jesus tells this story that the man who was owed a great debt forgave the man who owed him an unpayable sum. Gosh, what would you think about that? You'd think that man in response would be so full of like joy and wonder that he'd want to pay it forward, right? But in the story that Jesus tells in Matthew chapter 18, the Bible says that that man who had was forgiven such a vast sum went and found a man who owed him a little bit of money and refused to forgive him that small amount of money. He ended up throwing him in jail until he could pay that small debt. The first man heard about it. He called in the second man and he says, you wicked servant, Matthew 18. I cancelled all the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, His master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. And then Jesus says this, friends. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Here's the point I'm trying to make. Jesus used eternity as a motivator and so should we, so should we and I guess friends that we don't really think about eternity all that much as a motivator, as a thing that would cause us to walk 12 feet across the room, 12 feet across the workspace, 12 feet from our front door to the next door neighbour. I guess we don't think about eternity all that too much because we get so focused on the temporal. The priest, he said, I'm too busy, sorry, pal. Audacious Church, eternity is racing towards you. It is racing towards you. This morning early, I got up and I took the puppy for a walk down by the river and I just went on Instagram and I wrote, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. But, but the overwhelming sense I had this morning is eternity is racing towards us. We have Andrew here today, whose beautiful wife, Pauline, sadly passed away. And it's in moments like this, Andrew, that we thank God for eternity. Because your beautiful wife is now more beautiful than ever before. You thought she couldn't get any better, but you should see the way her face right now reflects the glory of Christ in Heaven. Eternity is coming. And every day there are millions of people who step into eternity and friends, we've got to be aware that eternity is upon us all. Titus 2, 11-13. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age. While we wait for the blessed hope, while we wait for the blessed hope, while we wait, for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Friends, did you know Jesus is coming back? The Bible says He's coming back. Eternity is racing towards us. Every moment here right now, eternity is one step closer. It's one breath closer. Eternity is coming. Did you know the Bible says that in the last days, there will be wars and there will be rumours of wars. We live in Europe, we have a war. Did you see the news this week with Japan deciding to muster their forces in potential response to what may happen in the future with China, with Russia? I'm not making a political comment, I'm saying this. The Bible says in the last days, there will be wars and there will be rumours of wars. Friends, eternity's racing. And meanwhile, we're busy over here like the priest. Sorry, too busy. Sorry, I haven't got time. But friends, eternity is on us. Revelation chapter 16. The sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates and its water was dried up to prepare the way for the kings from the east. What an obscure passage. Apart from the fact, if you read your news, you'll know that Euphrates right now for the first time is starting to dry up. And when I read those reports and when I've been on and read the news about the Euphrates River beginning to dry up, I began to hear these words, eternity is racing towards us. Friends, I wanna ask you, are you prepared for eternity? But listen, if we truly believe that eternity is real and eternity is coming, you and I will do everything within us to stop and just walk 12 feet to talk to somebody. Remember those years ago when I sat on that plane and I was watching a Hollywood movie And when the movie finished, I felt a tap on my shoulder and I said, hi. And the guy who tapped me on the shoulder, who was sitting on the other side of the aisle to me, the guy that tapped me on the shoulder was the guy I was just watching on the TV. He said, how did you enjoy the movie? I said, great. I asked him about Hollywood and we talked a little bit about Hollywood. And then he said to me, what do you do? I said, I'm a pastor. He said, you got the most difficult job in the world. I said, why? He said, because you're trying to convince people of a God they can't see and nobody wants as an actual fact, my friend, i got the easiest job in the world. He said, try me. So I did. So halfway flying over the outback of Australia before we landed into Changi Airport in Singapore, I began to talk to him about Jesus. I began to talk to him about the love of God. I began to talk about how the Bible says God's got a plan and a purpose for you. It's unique. But that plan and purpose starts the moment that you actually come to a place of knowing God personally in your own life and in your own world. And he began to say, well, how can I know God is real for me? You know what, friends, gives me the confidence in those moments, even metaphorically, though we're sitting there to walk 12 feet? The thing that gives me confidence is Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11. God has set eternity in people's hearts. If we don't believe in eternity, friends, we should not even be here week to week. But the fact that you are here week in, week out, sun, hail, uh, shine, snow, tells me that you believe in eternity in such a way. And friends, I'm urging you, I'm imploring with you today, let's allow our lives to walk and live with an eternity mindset. Because to quote the great sage of the age from the movie Gladiator, What we do today echoes in eternity. And so today in this place, I want you to push the button on intimidation and walk in inspiration. Push the button on hard work and walk into opportunity. Push the button on compromise and walk into integrity and push the button on the temporal and walk into eternity. In Jesus' Name. Your three cards, your three names, I don't know if they're under your chairs or where they are, but you've been filling them in week to week. I wanna take a moment to pray for three people you're believing God for this week. So friends, would you stand to your feet across this place? Eternity's coming. Eternity's racing towards us. So we're gonna pray. Think about your neighbour, think about your friend, think about your family member. Father, I pray this week, help us, I pray. Help us to get out of the comfort zone of our own busyness of life. And whisper to us this week. Lord, may we have ears to hear what You are saying to us in this next seven days. For truly, if You are Lord and truly, If eternity awaits, I pray, give us the courage, and the confidence this week to walk 12 feet. We pray that You would touch our friends, our business colleagues, our neighbours, and may this week You use us to make a difference in our world, I pray, in Jesus' Name. Amen. thank you for listening to this audacious podcast for any more information visit us online audaciouschurch.com we'd love for you to join us at one of our campuses manchester chester or online every sunday 10 a.m and 12 p.m